Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Thanks band, you guys are amazing. Why don't you come and grab a seat as well? Hey, but it's so great to be here tonight. I'm so thankful for this amazing house. I'm so thankful for our incredible senior pastors, Mark and Sarah Percy. Um, but this morning, uh, this, tonight, 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 I'm going to have to get that in my head. Tonight, I'm going to share a little bit um, about my story, a little bit about of where I came from, and a little bit about how I particularly got here behind this pulpit. So I'm really excited to share a little bit about that tonight. But um, as you're all aware, for the month of September, we've been focusing on this dilemma series and how as Christians, uh, we are to approach these dilemmas and these trials that often cross our paths. So tonight, I wanted to share around a kind of dilemma that can be very real and very tangible for many of us in this room. What we do when we experience bad things happening to good people. Sometimes this can be to us, and sometimes this can often be to those around us. It's a really tough subject. (laughs) And so I wanted to encourage you tonight through my story and my testimony. So I grew up in a Christian house. I grew up in a very happy, um, healthy, Christian-centered, lovely home. It was what I would often say to friends, near perfect, from what I remember. My life was filled with ballet and ponies and other all-gorgeous things that any young child, young particularly girl child, could ever dream of. Um, But it was at age nine when I remember the day my parents picked me up from school and they wanted to have a talk with me in the car. And it was a very real moment for a nine-year-old. And it was a moment filled with a dilemma that was presented in front of me. And that was that my mother had been diagnosed at aged 36 with terminal cancer. She lived for a further four years, which is a miracle in itself and a testimony I'll share for another day. But at age 13, my dilemma intensified when she passed away. And as you can imagine, at age 13, this is a time when you're really discovering kind of who you are. You're starting to make kind of like your own moral judgments. You're deciding, you know, what is my belief system going to be? You're beginning to come out from under your parents and starting the journey toward adultism. I was just beginning this journey of discovery when I was hit with this biggest dilemma a 13-year-old girl probably could ever have. And that's the death of her mother, the person that was meant to guide me through the rocky years of a teenager was gone. Tonight I wanted to share with you a little of how I walked through this time and to encourage and inspire you to seek God through your own trials and your own dilemmas. When dealing with a dilemma, the biggest thing we need to do is to cling to what we know is true. Not to get distracted by the ifs and the maybes, but we need to declare the truth 
and we need to declare the promises of God over our lives. Where do we find this truth? Where do we find the promises of God? We find it in the Word of God. And over this month, you may have heard um, Pastor Mark and Pastor Sarah drill this into us. It is the Word of God. It is the book of answers in times of dilemmas. So there's this wonderful woman in the Bible whose story just really uh, inspires me. And it's the story of Naomi. And her story is found in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. It's a really short book. I encourage you, you can read it in one night. Go home and read it. But uh, her story, Naomi's story, is one of um, deep loss, of tragedy, and of countless, what seems like countless dilemmas she faced. So Naomi and her husband, they... um, moved to a new country. They lived in Bethlehem and they had to move because of a famine in their land. But soon after they move, her and her two sons, her husband dies. Her sons end up marrying Moabite women. However, after 10 years of living, then both Naomi's sons die. She is left destitute with two daughters-in-law in a foreign land. But she was good kind and a hard-working woman, yet it felt like her life was being overrun with constant bad things. In chapter 2, the first thing we see Naomi doing is she decides to go back to her homeland. So my first point tonight is sometimes we need to start by actually going back. Going back to the place where we last experienced God's presence. Going back and remembering the moments that God revealed his character and his heart desires for us. Growing up, I loved dancing. It was kind of like my sport of choice. I wasn't very good at it. I was slightly chubby and had turned in feet, which didn't help. But I loved it. It was, it was something that brought me such joy. It was something that brought me such life. And it wasn't long after my mum died that I was at a morning worship session at Parachute Festival, 90s Christian right here. And I had my eyes closed. And God showed me the vivid, vivid picture of me and Jesus dancing in the most exquisite ballroom I've ever seen. As we twirled around the dance floor, I felt so tangibly in that moment his strength his love, and his protection. And to this day, 20-ish years on, I can actually still go back to that moment. I can close my eyes and I can remember what I saw and I can draw on it. I can anchor into his presence, his strength, his love, and protection. So for you, whether it was a moment, it was the moment you invited Jesus in your life, or whether it is a particular Bible verse, a worship song, or a vision that he's showing you. We all have moments in God's presence that we can go back to and draw on when we're faced with these dilemmas and these trials. After Naomi makes the decision to go back to her homeland, she speaks with her two daughters-in-law and tells them to go back to their parents' houses and blesses them and releases them to go and find new husbands. But often we think we do what's best, but God's got a different plan for us. Amen? So God had a different plan for Naomi. One of her daughters-in-law kissed her and left her. 
However, the other one, Ruth, refuses to leave Naomi's side. Ruth travels with her back to Bethlehem and becomes a really great friend, a companion and a deep support for Naomi. When I look back on those first few years of losing my mum, yes, God was with me, but he also strategically and purposefully placed people in and around my life. Here's the catch, though. Yes, God places people in our lives to encourage us, to love us, to empower us, to lead us, to guide us. But it's up to us to engage with them. Naomi could have forced Ruth to stay behind. But she chose in the end to involve Ruth in this next chapter of her life. So my second point for you is we have to be intentional with who we do life with. And it will take some action on your behalf. Remember, when it comes to God, there's always an element of doing. There's always an element of stepping out. God doesn't do everything for us. He is the ultimate father. And as parents in the room, we all know that if we were to do everything for our children, it would be a detriment to them, not a benefit. People in and around our lives are crucial to the life of a believer. But not just any people, but the right people. As a teenager, I didn't uh, fully grasp or fully understand. But something in me knew it was really important for me to go to youth group every week and attend church every Sunday. And just so I did. As an adult, it's interesting because now I look back with more mature eyes And I recognized the gentle work of the Holy Spirit in my life, the quiet voice that led me and guided me through those years. He's gently urging me into church, into community, and into needed, needed relationships at that time. It was my commitment to church, to his house, that led me and anchored me into key relationships with people that helped guide me through those teenage years without a mum. And it's still very raw and very deep within me, the gratitude I have, that there was the safe place for me to go to, where there were people who were always willing to lead me into the presence of God. People who saw what we're going through, people who see your pain and your confusion and who help keep your direction, keep your focus and keep your heart open to the nature and character of God, that He is good, He is love, And he is for you. I had every excuse. I had every opportunity to turn my back on God and blame him for my circumstances. The drugs, the drinking, the unhealthy relationships, they were all there in front of me. Our high schools are saturated with these opportunities. But my testimony tonight is that I chose instead to have faith in God's character. I chose to believe that although something horrible had happened to me, that God still was amongst it all and he was good. That the humanness inside of me was looking for someone to blame, to point the finger at, and I wanted to gain some form of control back over my life. But I tell you what, it's in those times that we need to lose control, to admit that we need help. Allow God into the pain 
and into the deepest parts of our hearts. And that if I just continued to slowly keep putting one foot in front of the other in a direction that led to him, that I would be okay. Whether you are walking through a bad situation or you are helping someone else through their circumstance, my heart's cry for you tonight is that you too can be okay. My love and my conviction for God's church was birthed out of my pain, my trials, and out of the dilemmas I was walking through. It was during those teenage years that I developed a deep love and an overwhelming thankfulness for the church. Without even realizing it, God was stirring in my teenage heart what later would become my calling. If you would have stopped me and asked me as a teenager, hey, do you ever think you would have become a pastor? I would have shaken my head in disbelief and ran the other way. But God was working behind the scenes in my life and in my heart, and I didn't even know it. But He is working all things out for good. Amen. My last point, we are all in the setup, as Pastor Mark often says. Don't lose hope. Naomi and Ruth traveled back to Bethlehem together. And there Ruth met and married Boaz. And they had a son and named him Obed. And Naomi was blessed with a grandson. And Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of King David. And King David's descendants, from King David's descendants, came Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God restored Naomi's family. He walked through her circumstances for good while never, ever leaving her side. God never left Naomi's side. He never left my side. And I know he will never leave your side. He is Emmanuel. Translated, this means God with us. This is our confidence. It is a reminder that we do not have to have the answers or even that everything has to be fixed for us to have confidence, God, or for us to trust Him. But the greatest reward, it's not a perfect life, a dilemma and trial-free life. The greatest reward, the greatest prize itself is God. The gospel is our greatest gift. God sent His one and only Son to die on the cross so that we could live in relationship with Him, both on earth and in heaven. Emmanuel is a reminder that the greatest prize of the gospel is not that we get what we want or that life is always okay. The greatest prize of the gospel is God himself, God with us, Emmanuel. Since the fall we read about in Genesis, we see bad things flood the world. And then although we may never fully understand why, we can choose to fully cling to what we do know. The Bible is full of His truth and it's full of His promises. God is for us and He will never leave us. He is God Emmanuel. He is working out all things for good. We just need to keep our eyes on Him. We need to go back to our first love. We need to go back to God's presence. We need to anchor ourselves in the Word. We need to actively choose to do life with people 
people who will stand with you in faith and hope when it feels like you have none. Remember, our God is the God of the impossible. When Naomi walked back into her hometown after being away for 10 years, she was full of hurt and she was full of pain and she was so full of disappointment. Her friends called out to her, Naomi. But she cried back to them and said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because it means bitter. I know that in this room tonight, there can be freedom from this bitterness. Freedom from pain and freedom from hurt. Freedom from living with blame and anger that robs you of experiencing God's goodness and robs you of the life that he has for you. If I had decided as a 13-year-old girl not to let God in, but to live in bitterness and to live in blame, I know that I would not be standing here before you today. Me. I always thought Briley was a made-up name. A name that I never came across in any name book. All those stands where you can buy the pens, all the books with your name on it. But two years ago... I was sitting in a conference, listening. So only two years ago, it's a fresh revelation for me. But I was listening to an American speaker, and he started talking about his daughter, Briley. A mutual friend of mine was able to go and speak to him after and asked, what does Briley mean? Why did you name your daughter Briley? The American Briley is spelled B-R-Y-L-E-E. And it means valiant, noble, and a destroyer of darkness. Mm. I choose to stand in the truth of who I am. I am filled with God's love and I am filled with his light. And that darkness has no place in my life. No matter what trial or dilemma comes my way, I choose to stand in the truth of who I am and the truth of who God is. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.